Depending on the version of the Bible that you look at, there's about a hundred times that the Bible says, do not be deceived, or like the more modern translations would say, don't be fooled. But the term fool in the Bible isn't really meant to be personally insulting or derogatory as some people would use it. Really, it's a factual descriptor of the spiritual reality of the person that lacks wisdom. I know this, no one likes to be tricked or fooled, and we especially don't want to be made a fool of. Because it creates feelings that range from embarrassment and shame and anger in our life, and yet, here we are for some reason. We have a whole day in April, all with the goal of pranking people and then shouting, April Fools! So we got together and we decided that we were going to prank a few people this week, all in the honor of this wonderful tradition that we know as April Fools Day. Paul is going to be coming in soon, and uh, we've decided to have a little fun. Uh, we are going to set up a magical keyboard that she's unaware of to work alongside of her and help her out with her day. So, we're gonna have some fun. Let's see how it goes. What is my, my computer is going crazy. My keyboard. It's, what does that mean? It's backing up when I'm trying to type. No. Yes. Are you sure you're not hitting a button or something? I'm positive. <laughs> that seems like a silly problem. No, it's okay. <gasps> oh! It just backed up about 10 words. Can you have some problems like that with your keyboard? Something? Well, I had it one time where they, mm. where they just like, you know. Staff, it just did it, and I wasn't even catching it. It is. Oh, now it's typing G's. And typing letters that I didn't type. Oh, I can't. Oh, now it's going away. It's going away. Now it's backing up. I should be taking a video of this. <laughs> so uh, it's just gone now? No, no, it's just that now it just said S U S R U S went away. Hey, Bradley. Hey, come here. I got a quick question for you. Mmm. 
who, how does, how do words just type in there? Then? Well, do you, I mean, if it keeps doing it, we maybe have a bigger problem. Now it's typing. April Fools. <laughs> who is doing something to me? Are you doing something, Steph? You, Steph Govar. <laughs> We're all in on it. You are. Oh man, oh man, oh man. So around here, we've been living the last couple of days with our heads on a swivel. Like you just know at any second something's gonna happen. At any second something's gonna something's gonna happen in some way. And just a little quick disclaimer. Uh, first of all, no people were permanently harmed. I'm pretty sure like Pastor Tim's hearing is pretty much back and uh, he, he's all right. And, and, uh, and, and it was all in good fun. And I'll just tell you right now that it's way more fun to be on the side of the pranker than the pranky. Amen. And, uh, and I did really, really feel bad for that little girl who, like, mom was trying to get her into church. And she's like, no, I want to pick up the coins. And so anyway, uh, anyway, we'll do whatever we can to get people to come to church. So anyway, uh, anyway, uh, we obviously had a lot of fun with that and um, appreciate everybody being. It didn't turn out so well for some of the goldfish. I do have to say that. Uh, they have reached their destiny of uh, a particular place on the food chain now. And um, so anyway, we, uh, I feel bad, but anyway, I'll get over it. Uh, just pray for me. So, uh, but my, my kind of our premise this morning, we don't do anything just because we feel like pranking people. There's a reason that we want to do that. And, and it's fun, isn't it? It's kind of fun and it's funny to see other people get fooled or to get pranked. And it's kind of, you know, you feel a little bit embarrassed, but you also understand. And I felt bad, you know, just as the pranker at times, I really kind of felt bad about, you know, some of the people that were getting pranked and, and all of that stuff. But it's kind of fun and it's kind of funny and it's, it, it, it's definitely a good chuckle and a good laugh. But how many of you know that when you're on the other side of that prank, it doesn't feel as good, does it? It's not as much fun, and, and, and it's all well and good and fun on April Fool's Day when everybody's having a good time and you're kind of aware of what's going to happen. But how many of you ever been, don't raise your hand here, but how, if you've ever been fooled or tricked or deceived in life, it's not so much fun. And it isn't so funny, and it isn't so harmless. Sometimes you get fooled in life, and you get tricked in life, and that's that, that leaves a mark, it leaves a scar, it leaves something in your life where I'm bitter or I'm angry or I'm mad and I, I feel like, you know, I, I can't trust anyone anymore. I, I went through that this week because I was like, every time I came around a corner, walked out of a room, walked into a room, I didn't trust anybody or anything <laughs> because I knew at some point somebody's going to try to get me and uh, if they tried, they failed. So praise God, the weekend's not over yet. What was that? That's for the fish? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so my point simply is that when you're, you know, when you're not aware at times, something can happen that derails you in life. And if it's a relationship that went south, if it's a, you know, maybe a bad business decision and you feel like, man, I got fooled there, I got taken there, and that leaves a mark, people who don't want to get into a relationship because they feel like all, you know, women are too much drama and guys are too stupid or whatever it is and, and I don't ever want to try that field again because we got fooled, we got, we got pranked, we got schooled in some way and, and, and that happens. Well, 
Believe it or not, you're not the first people that have ever been fooled. <laughs> in Ephesians chapter five, the apostle Paul is writing, this is from the contemporary English version. You did, this actually was in the Bible. We didn't make it up. Just a more modern translation of what you saw this morning with an additional verse. Verse 15 says, act like people with good sense and not like fools. Don't you wish that so-and-so was here to hear this today? You should have invited them. Act like people with good sense and not like fools. These are evil times, so make every minute count. Don't be stupid. Instead, find out what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be stupid. Find out what the Lord wants you to do. Now, like I said in that beginning of that little clip, the word fool or foolish or being deceived in the Bible, a little bit different than it means to us today. Because we, if we say somebody's a fool, uh, uh, Many times we really mean it more in a derogatory sense than what the Bible would imply. The Bible really implies that a fool is a person who doesn't mean they're just stupid, doesn't mean they're just ignorant. What it means is that there's wisdom available to them that they're not taking advantage of. And that really a fool in the Bible is, is a person who has God's wisdom available to them, but they decide to not take advantage of it. They decide not to live in that reality of wisdom that's available to them. And because of that, they do foolish things. They become foolish because they lack the wisdom to see something uh, in a different way. And so again, he says, act like people with good sense and not like fools. These are evil times. And so make every minute count. I hope you know this this morning. You you do have a deceiver, the devil. And the Bible says that he goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, that he comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And his chief weapon is deception. He wants to trick you. He wants to deceive you. He wants to fool you. And so I want to give you a question that you can ask yourself, and this question will help you in every area of your life. It'll help you in your Christian walk. It'll help you in your, uh, you know, walk relationally. It'll help you on the job. It will help you when it comes to financial decisions. This question is a question you can ask at any time, and many times you already know what the answer to that question is once you ask the question. It isn't something that, that is really, really difficult to figure out. And, and so in that question, you know, verse 17, he says, don't be stupid. How many of you have ever realized that stupid going in doesn't look stupid? But when you came out of it, it's like, well, that was stupid. In fact, stupid going in looked like that's a no-brainer. Well, that's what everybody would do. Well, that's exactly what they said to do. Then you get on the other end of it, it's like, well, that was, man, I knew that wasn't going to work. That was stupid. Well, why is that? Well, there's something internal. There's something on the inside of us as followers of Christ that's trying to help us. And that's why I say many times when you ask this question, you, you, you will already know what the answer is. But the problem is that we don't discipline ourselves to ask the question before we go into things. And so this question, whether it's financial, whether it's relational, whatever it is, you can ask yourself this question and it will protect you and it will guide you. And it, I believe, will keep you uh, safe and will help you narrow down the field of options that are available to you so that you can make the best decision that is possible. And, and I think that before I get to that question... A lot of times as followers of Christ, we're taught to ask, a few years ago, it was kind of the popular thing, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And, 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 you know, that's all well and good. That's a good question. I guess that you can ask yourself, what would Jesus do? But most of the time as Christians, we ask, well, is it sin? Is it wrong? Well, that's another good question to ask. But how many of you know that there are some things in the Bible 
that, that aren't even in the Bible. They don't really say it's right or it's wrong. Paul said, all things are lawful to me, but not everything is expedient or not everything is good for me. It might be okay to do it. It might be right to do it, but should I still do it? And what happens a lot of times, if we only ask the question, is it sin, is it wrong, is it something that Jesus would do, sometimes what we're implying is, I want to know how close to the edge I can get. I want to know how close to the danger zone I can get before I step over a line. And the problem with that line of reasoning is that you can get to a point in your life where instead of asking, is it okay, can I do it, you're going to be asking, how in the world did I get into this mess? Because you lived so close to the edge that eventually you fell over the edge. Which is why Paul said, be aware of the days that we are living in. These are evil days. And can I tell you this morning that this life and everything around this life, this earth walk, everything associated with it tends towards, gravitates towards death or destruction. It gravitates towards things that aren't good for you. The Bible in the book of Ephesians, the apostle Paul says that the course of this life, that it flows, that it has a pull to it, it has a current to it, and that the way of God is contrary to that current. And so this life that we're living, it's not a neutral spiritual force. It is trying to pull you the wrong direction. It is trying, it's, there's a gravitational pull towards selfishness. There's a gravitational pull towards this idea that, that it's all about me. This gravitational pull that's rampant in society that it's what I want or, or what I need and, and, and it's my feelings and, and you don't have the right and all these other things that, that is a pull to us. And so Paul is saying in light of all of these things, don't be stupid. Don't be foolish. Walk wisely. And there are some things that are available to us that if we'll learn to tap into them, if we'll learn to tap into them, then we'll be able to make some wise decisions and not get schooled. In the book of Proverbs, and this is a theme that pops up from time to time around here at Joy, it's a theme I particularly like because I get to sit on the other side of the desk of people who are asking the question, what should I do? And usually they're asking the question because their life, their finances, their marriage, their relationship, something is so far gone that they, they're at a loss. There's no good choices. There's no good thing that is available to them, no good options for them. And sometimes, whether it's me or Pastor Tim, we're sitting there and we're trying to help, but it's like, I don't know what you should do right now because only, the only options in front of you are all bad. But I can see what you should have done six months ago. I can see what you should have done a year ago. And so in the book of Proverbs, Solomon, wisest man ever to live, he says this in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 26. Ponder the path of your feet. Ponder the path of your feet. And then he says, let all of your ways be established. And we've talked about this a couple of months ago in, a, in the last series we did, a relationship series. Ponder the path of your feet. This life you're living, it's a path. It's a journey. You will arrive somewhere. And because you're going to arrive somewhere, arrive there on purpose. Let your ways be established. You're right here. And we understand this idea of the path. We understand this. <laughs> but there's a disconnect that we don't associate it with the rest of our life. And so we've said this in a lot of different ways, your direction in life, your direction in life more than anything else will determine your destination. Your direction in life, it will trump your desire. Your direction in life will trump your, many times even, uh, you know, the things that you're so sincere about. 
the things that you really, really want to happen, your direction in life, your path in life is going to determine your destination more than anything else. And we understand it. You cannot get on Highway 10 and travel north and get to the Mall of America. It will not happen. You can be sincere. You can ask people for directions. You can ask people for help. But you will not arrive at the Mall of America. You will arrive somewhere else. And we would say, well, you're foolish to think that you're going to get there. You're foolish to be surprised you ended up in Brainerd. And yet people in life don't make the association that life is a path. That your life is a direction. I hear people say, well, you know, I want to find a godly mate. Well, unless you surround yourself with godly people, you're not going to find a godly mate. There are people who at this stage of life say, I want to be financially independent. But if your life is one of overspending, your path, that's a path. Overspending is a path. And there is a logical conclusion to that path. There's a logical outcome that anybody with common sense can see. That the path will always trump your, your destination in life. So your direction is set by the choices that you make. And again, Paul is saying in light of that, in light of this walk. In fact, the New King James, it says it like this, Ephesians 5, 17. <clears throat> I'm sorry. When we talk about the path, when we talk about the path of life, uh, uh, there's a scripture, the King James Version says that, uh, uh, there's a way that seems right to the man, to a man, but the end is death. And I remember that scared me as a kid because the only thing I could think of was hell. There's a way that seems right, but the end of it is you're going to go to hell. And, and there's certainly a truth to that. There's a way that seems right. The course of this world that tends towards death says this is the right thing. This is the right way. This is the right action. This is the right thing. Well, if you've not submitted your life to Christ, then yes, the end result is hell. But it doesn't just have to be eternal destruction. Listen to this from the Living Bible. It says, before every man, there lies a wide and pleasant road that seems right but ends in death. There's a way that seems right, but it ends up with destruction. The, the contemporary English version says, you may think you're on the right road and still end up dead. And boy, there's a lot of people that think that they're doing the right thing because it's what grandma said. They think they're doing the right thing because it's what the commercials said. They think they're doing the right thing because it's what everybody else is doing. But that course, that destination is one of death. And so let me tell you this morning, it, it, this is probably worth writing down. There's a way that seems right and there's a way that is right. And there's a difference many times between the two. This world, this course of this life, it, it, it seems like this is the right stuff to do. And I remember as a teenager thinking, I'm just, I, I gave up on God. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do what everybody else is doing because that seems right. It seems what brings happiness. It seems what brings peace. And for a season, it did bring happiness. And for a season, it did bring some peace because I had quit. I had given up. But I found that it brought a lot of destruction and hurt and pain into my life. And I got to a point where it's like, well, this isn't right. This is stupid. And I made a decision at that point. And so the best question that you can ever ask yourself when you're at the point of decision, and it really even, to be totally honest with you, when you're before the point of decision, I think that's what Proverbs is saying. Ponder the path of your feet. Let your ways be established before it comes to a decision. Establish some things in your life. Make some decisions before you have to make a decision. There are some things I'm just not going to do. There are some things I'm not going to entertain. There are some places I'm not going to go. There are some people I'm not going to associate with. Read the book of Proverbs. You'll find a whole bunch of stuff to make some pre-decisions before you have to make a decision. 
How many of you ever struggled with seatbelts? Like, man, I don't want to wear a seatbelt. All of us older people were like, well, I don't want to wear a seatbelt. Some people struggle with helmets on motorcycles. <laughs> Just saying. You're going to struggle all the way. But, but some of us that are a little bit older, we struggle with that whole seatbelt thing. But other people, it's like, I'm not getting in a car. I'm not going anywhere in a vehicle. I've already decided, as uncomfortable as it might be, I've already decided, as, as, as inconvenient as it may be, I'm going to wear a seatbelt. I know a pastor friend who got out of a vehicle and made him get another vehicle because there wasn't a seatbelt for him. He took a cab instead. He said, I've already made a decision. I pre-decided I will not ride in a motor vehicle without a seatbelt. Now, you might think that's extreme, and maybe it is, but my point remains that there are some things you need to make a decision about today. Because if you don't make that decision, it becomes a slippery slope of being pulled in a certain direction that you could end up on a road that leads you to destruction in your life rather than what you really hope and desire to happen. In Ephesians 5, uh, 15, again, this is the New King James Version. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly or walk with wisdom. Walk, that's the path. That's the journey that you're on. See then that you walk not as fools, but as wise. You have a choice and an option. Being a fool or being wise is not dependent upon whether or not you have a college education, whether or not you've been schooled by the, you know, the school of hard knocks. It doesn't matter. You know, you might have been told you're a slow learner. All of the, these things, those things are irrelevant to what we're talking about today. Do not believe that you have to be stupid in life or a fool in life because there's wisdom that's available to you. And so then he says, don't walk uh, as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Again, the course of this life is set against you. And then he says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And I, that causes me to pause when I read that, understand what the will of the Lord is. Because it would seem to me to make more sense that we should discover what God's will is or that we should obey that, what, what God's will is. And yet here he's saying to understand. There's a different level and depth of wisdom and understanding. And so he says, I want you to understand something. I want you to understand the reason why. And so when we consider this path of life, when we consider the direction of our life, many people end up going off course and ending up in destruction because there wasn't a plan in their life to not end up there. And there have been times I've almost wanted to question, like, how did you think that this was going to work out any other way? How did you ever come to the conclusion that these steps would be okay and everything would turn out right? It's because we live with this idea that our desires and our hopes will trump the direction of our life, and they won't. And so that's why Paul is saying, consider this part of your life. And so here's the question, really, really deep question. This is not original with me, but this is one of the best questions you can ever learn to ask yourself. What is the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do? Not what would Jesus do, not is it sin or not, but what's the wise thing to do? What's the best option? What's the best choice? We'll say it like this. In light of what I want to do or where I want to be or what I want to have, in light of those things, what's the wise thing for me to do? I want to arrive on my path to financial independence. And, and 20 years before I get there, what's the wise thing for me to do right now? The question isn't, can I afford it or not? The question might be, should I afford it or not? Again, there are some things that they may not have a thou shalt not attached to it, but probably is not a good idea to do it. 
And so learn to ask yourself this question. In light of what you want to have or do or where you want to be, whether it's physically, whether it's relationally, whether it's spiritually, whether it's financially, in light of where you want to arrive, establish your ways beforehand so that you can arrive at that place, so that you can get to that place. And there might be some follow-up questions. In light of where I want to be, in light of what I want to do, in light of what I want to have, what do I need to do? I'm back here, and I want to have some good things happen. What do I need to do? What are some steps that I need to take? Do you know you don't get out of shape in a day? And you don't get in shape in a day. But daily faithfulness in seemingly small and insignificant things will yield a great big harvest in your life. And repeated good actions and attitudes and those kinds of things will bring you to a better place than, than this whole idea that, well, you know, I worked out for four minutes and so nothing happened. I've got a great collection of DVDs, exercise DVDs, but they haven't helped me at all. It's like the commercial that's out there now. Do you want to know what's wrong with your workout routine? You're not doing it. You want to know what's wrong with your spiritual life? You're not paying attention to it. You want to know why God's not involved more in your life? Because you're ignoring him. These decisions that we make, they will lead us somewhere. And so before we make the decisions, let's establish some things. So what do you need to do? And, and here's a better question. What do you need to stop doing? What do we need to have in our life, but what do we need to quit doing in our life? And so many times, so many times we've, man, we've allowed this culture to push us off course. We've allowed this life to just pull us and lead us. And sometimes, to be totally honest, even though we're all Christians in here, <clears throat> to be totally honest in life, sometimes it's because we know what to do, but we don't want to do it. That was all for first service people right there. I know none of you would ever live this way or think this way. But we sort of pretend that we don't hear that little voice on the inside of us. We sort of pretend that, well, it's too hard to understand and know and, you know, and we want to justify it. Or we'll say something like, you know, well, you know, I really should do something about that. And we assume that because we thought we should do something about it that we've taken care of it, but we haven't. We've continued on in that path. And so... <laughs> Let me ask you a quick question. Again, this is one of those I don't want you to answer necessarily. Uh, and, you know, husbands and wives, don't be elbowing each other after I ask this question. But let me ask this question to you. How many of you have ever set out to do something and you thought, I can handle this. It's not going to be a problem. I've Googled it. I've got the answer. I'm going to do it. And you started to do it. You got yourself into trouble. You got yourself into a mess. And then you had to call in a professional to clean up the mess. Now, don't answer. Don't raise your hands. But I know some of you have. I know I have. And I'm really good at reading the directions. I, honestly, I really, really am. I'm good at reading the directions. I have found that, that, you know, that little bit of wisdom and importation can help me, save me a lot of time and frustration and aggravation. I'm good at asking help. I'm good at Google. I'm good at doing those things. But there have been times in my life that I haven't been sure. You all were waiting for me to take a drink, weren't you? And I just set that thing down. Let me complete that cycle in your life and mine. So there have been times in life, and some of you have experienced this, you set out to fix that electrical problem because you could do it. <laughs> I have to tell off on myself real quick. I was going to run. I guess I don't always follow my own advice, but I knew what to do. And so I'm downstairs. I want to run cable from one room to another room. And so I'm drilling. I'm standing, I'm standing in my basement, and I'm drilling with a, a, a hole drill. And I just need to drill a little hole through the wall so I can run the cable through there. It's got to be big enough to get the end through. And so I'm drilling, and it's 10 o'clock at night. 
night. Shelly's already told me, don't start this project now. It's too late and you're going to be gone for a week. I'm like, well, what can happen? There's nothing wrong with that. I have a friend standing on the stairs on the other side of the wall. And or I'm sorry, I'm on the stairs and I'm drilling this way. He's looking up at me in the lights. He's right over here. And as I'm drilling, he's going, he, he, he looks this way and then he looks at me and he looks again. He goes, hey, there's a light switch. Poof, just like that. I mean, just as he said, there's a light switch right here. Lights in the house went out. Shelly's like, what'd you do? Needless to say, I was another three hours trying to just put little wires back together and it was too short and had to tear apart a wall and, and it didn't end well for Pastor Brian. So anyway, and our, thankfully our son-in-law is an electrician so we were able to fix some stuff. But anyway, uh, without having to pay the price. But we understand at times, what do we learn in that moment? We learn, I'm not a mechanic. Or I learn I'm not an electrician or a plumber or I'm not a financial planner. Or I'm not an interior designer and decor. I'm not those things. And when we discover that, what do we do? We go to get some help. We go to get some wisdom. We want to incorporate or include people in our life that have that wisdom. You might have Googled what it means to, uh, you know, clerk in a court and be a lawyer. And you might have stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. And you might think you know. But I hope you understand this morning that just because you know some things doesn't mean that you are well enough trained to enter into the legal arena uh, without the guidance of a professional who understands the principles, who understands that world. You are not good enough to diagnose yourself many times, and so you need the help of physicians, right? I mean, we get that, don't we? We understand that we're not smart enough to know everything. And not only that, you could, you know, considering the path, you could be right here, and as you're right here, and you're looking at the, towards the, you know, the, the retirement stage of life, and you might think, you know what I need? I need a financial planner. I heard Pastor Brian talk about that. I'm going to get some help on the front end, because I want my path to be good, and arrive at a good place at the end. And so you hire somebody, and they meet with you, and they ask you questions, and what are your goals, and everything else, and they might put together a nice packet of information with flow charts, and spreadsheets, and charts, and graphs, and everything else, and they might tell you what to do, lay out a plan. You may agree to that plan. You might take that plan home, put it in the drawer, shut the door, and never think about it again. Let me ask you a question. How much good does that do you? No good at all. You can have all that wisdom available to you, but if you choose not to act on that wisdom, you're no different than a foolish person who has no wisdom. And so Solomon, arguably the wisest man in the world, he says this in, Psalms, in Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10. Go ahead and slip that one up there for me. Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Remember Paul said, be wise, you know, and, and, and understanding of what the will of the Lord is. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, we understand that there are things in life that we don't know. We also understand that we can go to professionals who that's their world and that's their realm and we can borrow their wisdom so that we don't end up wasting time and money. We also understand that if those experts make themselves available to us through the vehicle of information, knowledge, and wisdom, we have a choice. We can ignore it or we can accept it. We can humble ourselves and say, okay, you're smarter than I am. I'm going to do what you told me to do. 
Or you can say, I think I know better, or I think I even know other people are going to end up in destruction. I think that I'm not going to end up in destruction, or I'm going to put it off, and I'm going to wait, and I'm going to do all that stuff. Solomon, the wisest person in the world, says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that doesn't mean I'm afraid of God. I'm just so afraid of God. The fear of the Lord, <clears throat> excuse me, fear of the Lord is this. The fear of the Lord is a recognition of God and a reverence towards God that leads you to submission. Now, I know that that's a good Bible word that has gone bad. We don't necessarily like the word submission, but it's true. The fear of the Lord is a recognition of God, and it is a reverence that leads us to submission. Really what the fear of the Lord is, it is the understanding that I, there is a God, and I'm not him. There is a God, and he's smarter than I am. And he's wiser in every arena of life. He understands the principles of relationship and finances. He understands the principles of, of health and strength and what peace and happiness really are. He understands those principles. He, that is his arena, this life and this journey and this path that he has you on. He's the one that's designed that. He's the one. And so the fear of the Lord begins when I understand he's God the creator of everything, and I'm not him. But it also, it also is a reverence. It is also a reverence that what he says, I'm going to do. And here's the thing. There are a lot of times that we know what he says to do, but we don't, we don't get it. We don't understand it. I, I, several years ago, Shelly and I came to a point and. uh we came to a point in our life where we knew that we knew that we knew that we knew that we needed to begin to tithe, giving a tenth of our income. And I know that for some, that just seems like the craziest thing you've ever heard of. I'll be honest with you, I thought it was too. But then as I began to look into the word of God, I saw, okay, that's what he says to do. And then I reached a point in my life where I didn't get it. I didn't, how, can, how can me giving away what I already don't have enough of, how can that do anything in my life? How can that actually help me? And man, it was a struggle for a season and we had to say yes to some things and say no to some other things. And we didn't start out there at 10% right away. We, it was a journey, it was a process. We began where we were and we continued to trust God. We began to follow his way. We began to do what he said to do. And as we began to do that, and I'll be totally honest with you, not only was there somewhat of a step of faith that I had to take that step, I'll be dead honest with you. I didn't want, I, I honestly did not want to give 10%. I was justifying saying, you know what? Well, you know, it's tight and it's tough and all these other things. And, and, and besides there's, you know, this that I'd really like to have. And, and, and I'll be honest, I did not want to do that. But I, I arrived at a point, God, you're smarter than I am. And I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't figure it. I, I can't figure it out. But I reverence you enough to know that there must be a reason you want me to do this, so I'm going to do this. And maybe that's not a struggle in your life, but maybe there's a struggle in your life because you've not been able to forgive somebody. You've not been able to let go of that because the hurt is so deep and the hurt is so real and the hurt is so powerful. You, you know you should, but you don't want to. And we have to arrive at a point where we don't just acknowledge that, God, you're God, you're big, you're smart, you're all those other things. But God, I reverence you enough to know that even though I don't understand it, even though I don't get it, even though I, I can't see why, there must be a good reason that you want me to do this. 
I, as a pastor, I get the opportunity to get dinged a lot. I'm kind of public. I'm kind of out there. And people can misunderstand. And people can be hurt. And hurt people hurt people. And there have been times I did not want to let go of things that I've had to let go of. I didn't understand why a person could act like that, say those things, be that way. But I had to make a decision. All right, God, I don't get it. I, I want to pray that the fleas of a thousand camels will invade their armpits. But God, I'm going to let go of them. I'm going to let go of that pain. And God, I'm, I don't want to forgive them. And it's hard, but you said, and if you said there's a reason behind it, and so I forgive, I let that go. And when I did that, there's a lightness and a peace that came into my life. I, 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 as far as I was concerned, I wasn't in the wrong on that. They were in the wrong. They were the ones who should be suffering. And they looked like they were having a good time. And here I am holding on to it, and it's weighing my life down. But when I let it go, even though I didn't understand, something powerful happened in me. And at that moment, there was the, aha, now I get it. And that's what Solomon says. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. God, I don't know why you want me to give 10%. I don't know why you want me to let go of those things. I don't know why you want me to say no to some stuff and say yes to some stuff. But I'm going to do it because I reference you and because I reference you. I let go of that. And I believe that there'll be the aha moments in your life where you all of a sudden understanding comes. I get it now. I see it now. I've experienced it in a different way. And that requires faith. That requires an adjustment from us to let go and to step into some stuff. Paul said in the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 that you are God's masterpiece. You are. And that he wants you to do some stuff that he's planned for you to do. But you're God's masterpiece. We could say you're God's, you know, you're God's painting, you're God's poem, you're God's song, you're God's creative element in this earth. And you, what you become, what you are painted to become, what you, the song that you are to sing, that God's got a plan for that part of your life in all of the stuff that he's working out. But what is it about us that thinks that we're so smart that we can grab the paintbrush from God's hand and begin to paint? Or that we can grab the piece of paper and the, the, the pencil from God's hands and say, well, this is my life. God has created in you a masterpiece and God has so much more for you. Don't you think, don't you think that the wisest being in all of creation has a pretty good idea? And so maybe at the beginning, we should say, God, I'm going to commit my way to you. I don't get it, but I'm going to take steps. Because I recognize there's a path and I want to get to that point. I don't want to be the casualty. I don't want to be the one that slips and falls. So would you bow your heads this morning? Close your eyes for just a moment. We've said a lot this morning. But we don't want you to get fooled. We don't want you to get schooled. We don't want you to be a fool. We want you to be wise. And so, Father, this morning we recognize that that's what you desire. There's a path that you have for us. And there's also an alternate path that we could walk down, but that path leads us to destruction. And there's such, you have such love for us. You desire so much for us that you don't want to see our lives damaged and broken and hurt. You don't want to see the masterpiece that you've created us and desired for us to be to get altered and damaged and smashed. But instead, you want us to do those things that you've ordained and planned for us to do. So, Father, I thank you that you help us this morning.
If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, maybe you've been living life with a paintbrush in your hand, and maybe there's been some aha moments in, in this morning where you're like, man, that's why I felt this. That's why I did that. That's why I ended up where I am, and I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. Remember, God is the one who's not nagging you. He's the one who forgives all of your iniquities, and he heals all your diseases. He's the God of all grace and peace. And if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never made him the Lord of your life, and you want to today, you want to say yes to Jesus, and that's where this path begins. This path of life starts when we surrender and submit our way to God's way, and that happens when we accept Jesus as our Lord, as our Savior, our guide, and the all-sufficient one. So if you're here today and say, Pastor, I don't know that I've done that, but I'm ready to take that step of faith. Would you just hold your hand up? It's all I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? Just hold your hand up real high. We're, we will pray a prayer together. Anyone else? Just hold them up real high for just a moment. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Man, do not be afraid of this moment. Don't be afraid to surrender. One more time. Anyone at all? We're going to pray a prayer together. That's all we're going to ask you to do. Yeah, thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. I see that there's a path for me. And I ask you today, be my guide, my Lord, my Savior. I believe today Jesus died for me and blood was shed so that I could be forgiven. I make a decision today. Jesus I believe, I believe in you, that you are the one who forgives me. I receive today your life, your spirit. I believe today that I'm a new creation. I will become your masterpiece on planet earth. Now, Father, I thank you for these men and women that have prayed that prayer for the first time, others that have prayed it with a, perhaps with a new knowledge. I thank you, Father, that you will create and complete in them that which you've ordained from before the foundations of this earth. And I thank you for that in the name of Jesus and everyone said, amen, amen. amen. Well, God bless you. We're so happy you joined us today. If you're ever in the St. Cloud area, we invite you to join us for one of our 9 or 1045 a.m. services. If you made a decision today to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, we'd love to hear about it. We invite you to email us or contact us through our website, greatjoy.org.